guys. Um, this is Greg. I hope you guys are having a good morning, good afternoon, and night. And you are now listening to Greg Talks. Uh, once again, my name is Greg. I'm 19 years old, and I'm currently a student at Community College. And today I'm going to talk about a show called Ruby, or um, RWBY, as some people like to refer to it. And I'm just going to discuss some of my feelings about the show um, and kind of if I'm going to continue watching it or dropping it. So for those of you who don't know, Ruby is a 3D animated show produced by Rooster Teeth Animation. The show premiered all the way back in 2013. It currently has six volumes as of right now, and four trailers called the Red, Black, Yellow, and White trailer, respectively, who gives introductions to the main four girl characters of the show. And throughout the show, uh, these four girl characters basically are training to become huntresses, um, and plot ensues throughout volumes one, two, three, four and five and six and really just getting down to the nitty-gritty here my problem with the show is that the show just hasn't really felt like the show that i watched when i first got introduced to it so i got introduced to ruby through a friend of mine in high school it was our senior year and i just happened to need a show to watch because at the time, I was kind of getting burnt out with seasonal anime, and I kind of needed something to just kind of get me back into watching shows again. And my friend said, you should check out the show called Ruby, but he did warn me that the animation is kind of like trash for volumes 1, 2, and then it gets, it gets super better uh, in volume 3 because I started watching the show in 2016... Or, no, not 2016, but 2017. So, and of course, in 2017, Volume 3 was wrapping up or getting ready to wrap up. So, I had some catching up to do. So, I started watching Volume 1. And, I gotta say, I wasn't hooked at first. Like, I really liked the red, yellow, black, and white trailers a lot. And then when I watched Volume 1, you know, it had some getting used to i definitely like the first episode and there's another thing uh in the first episode uh you know we get introduced to ruby who's the main character of the show and she's fighting uh, a guy called torchwick who's like kind of a gang boss leader uh he's stealing like dust which gets established in the show as like a type of material that allows you to do magic it's like fuel gasoline in a sense as it creates it's as it creates energy and ruby you know was fighting torchwick and it was a pretty badass fight though like i will say that was a great first episode in terms of introduction and you, you we also got to meet glinda and ozpin um in the first episode and i really was liking the character the character models and the designs and the look of the world despite it being very limited because of the low budget for Volume 1. But anyway, you know, I, I progressed, and I liked it. I liked 
Weiss and Yang and Bleak. And I, I think what I definitely enjoyed the most about anyone was just like the character interactions and the character development of uh, some of the main characters and cast. You know, and I love the choreography. I mean, the fighting was just really good. I mean, like Monty Um, as many of you know, um, he was a dancer and he was also a 3D animator for um, RVB, which is Red versus Blue, which was a show that was like a precursor to Ruby. And that show is currently 16 seasons. Jeez. But, uh, and I haven't even watched a single season of that show at all because I'm just not into that. But um, he was there and he also did like, um, I think, a demo reel of his work that showcased like his skills in terms of animation. But like I said, he was also a dancer. So he understood um, a lot about choreography and movement and flow and rhythm. So that really shows and, and translated over to Ruby though, because you can definitely see the fight scenes are good and they feel satisfying keyword satisfying to watch. Um, so like then we get to volume two and the plot starts to get ramped up. I mean, you know, I, I didn't mention like characters like Cinder and Mercury and Emerald um, who made appearances in volume one and they came back in volume two progressing their plan. Uh, you also got introduced to like more about Yang in volume two and you got to see a little bit more into the headspace of the characters and more into, you know, what Ospin is doing um, and some uh, side character interactions like with Pira and uh, John, which was my favorite ship for volumes one through three. Uh, not anymore, of course, because, you know, everybody, if you guys will watch volume three, you know what I'm talking about. But, um, but volume two was okay. I didn't like volume two as much as I liked volume one, but it was still a good volume. It was consistent above all. And that was what I was looking for. And the volume three came and volume three, the tone just changed completely. It was just a 180 from the happy and light natured school type of anime that Ruby was for volumes one and two. And it just went completely dark. Cinder's plan was starting to be put further into action and she was really starting to trick the characters into going against each other or not so much going against each other but letting the world see um that ospin could not be trusted so throughout volume three you know you got to see more fights and choreography and the animation actually was pretty good Volume 3 was a major step up, and, you know, the characters looked a lot better. Everything was a lot brighter, albeit a little saturated, but still pretty good on the visual front. And Volume 3 just um, did great. It was a good volume to me, though, and it was the one that actually solidified me being a fan, because that was when I started watching reactions and i started watching a particular youtuber some of you ruby fans probably know who i'm talking about and that's murder of birds he was very very integral into getting me into the fandom though because i enjoyed the passion 
he showed for the show though. And I was watching his channel back in 2016 when he was like a lot smaller, not when he first started, but like, you know, when he was definitely still growing his fan base. And I really liked the energy he gave off though. And, you know, he, you know, and, and it wasn't just him. It was also, um, YouTubers like hero. Hey, and some other ones like, uh, one, one man band who I was watching, and uh, it, it really solidified to me how much how important this show was to people. However, uh, that didn't stop the show from becoming trash a year later. And not only that, but Monty Um, the creator of the show, he passed um, during the production of Volume 3, which I didn't find out until I started watching Volume 4 when... Actually, no, I found that out when I was listening to the soundtrack and hearing people's reactions to the soundtrack that Monty Hume had passed. So, you know, a part of me still thinks like back then, a part of me knew that, you know, when he died, that the show was going to tank in quality. I didn't want to believe it back then because, of course, you know, Volume 4 hadn't come out. We didn't know what the show was going to turn into. But, um... You know, I should have I should have followed my conscience more back then, and I probably would have dropped the show now had I known what it was going to turn into. Um, so you know, Volume Four comes, and I get really really excited for like the new character models and uh, the continuation of the story, because Volume Three left us off in like a big cliffhanger with the revelation of the narrator being the main villain of the entire story, which was Salem. And I was just hyped for it. And then Volume 4 came, and it went, and I was feeling a bit underwhelmed. And what I mean by that is a lot of the fight choreography did not satisfy me at all. And it was just because it, the the passion behind it just didn't feel like it was there. I mean, don't get me wrong, it was still decently animated, but it just didn't feel good to watch. And I can't really explain why it didn't feel good to watch. It just didn't feel good to me, like seeing the fighting. Um, the character interactions were okay. I mean, Ruby didn't do much. She actually didn't do anything in Volume 4, for that matter. And, you know, that kind of bothered me. Um, I did like the episode where, like, John was like... Um, you know, he was um, looking at a video of Pira, and that actually got me a little teary-eyed because Pira was, and still is, my favorite character to this day, and nobody has actually replaced her in that spot. It's just because the impact that Pira had, though, back in Volume 3 before she was offed, was that she embodied, I think, a lot of what people could relate to as being conflicted on what to do with her life. She was always built up to be somebody that um, was going to be the hero of the story. And then when she stood up to the occasion, she was killed. And it was just very heartbreaking to see somebody who was so passionate and thought that they were going to actually succeed in what they were going to do, only to fall short under somebody that didn't even understand or deserve the position that they had got. And I'm talking about Cinder. Like, I legit hated 
Cinder after Volume 3. Like, I wanted to see her get killed. And, you know, we did get that satisfaction in Volume 5, but I don't feel like we ever got that closure. Like, I'm, I don't feel like we ever got um, closure on um, Pyrrha and uh, Cinder, though. I don't know. It just wasn't written well enough, though, and that plot point was never really of importance to the writers, I feel, because they were more concerned with the main characters, and I get that, because it was a transition volume, and focusing too much on Pyrrha would have taken away from Ruby, um, you know, re reuniting with her friends, or, you know, I should say quote-unquote friends, since, like, in the recent volumes, they don't even, like, they don't even have that chemistry anymore. But going back to volume four, though, there was just a lot of walking. The fighting wasn't that good. Uh, the writing was definitely not paced that well. And, uh, of course, you had Ospin, who came back in the form of Oscar. Um, and essentially, you know, Ospin was starting over from ground zero. So all the character development from volumes one through three, I mean, it still mattered, but you know, volume four, it's pretty much essentially him starting from scratch because Oscar is a new character for all, for all intents and purposes from volume four onward. Then you get to volume five and it becomes very much focused on Blake and you get the introduction of the first LGBTQ character, which is Ilya. And I really did like Ilya's design. I thought she was really a really cute character. And uh, I liked her. Um, I don't feel like they did as much as they should have done with her. Well, no, actually, I take that back. They actually did do a lot with her. And so much to the point that she was a main, she was the main character to a certain extent of Volume 5. And a little bit... Well, not... Yeah, yeah, I think it was just Volume 5. She was basically the main character. When in reality, the focus should have been more on Blake... But, you know, they really were trying to push, you know, Ilya and the relationship she had with Blake, which had never really been established and felt like it came out of nowhere. And here's when you start seeing a pattern of the writers just like pulling out things out of nowhere and expecting you to make sense of it all because you're a fan of the show and good writing doesn't matter. And having a good foundation doesn't matter apparently anymore. So... Then, like, Volume 5, it was just disappointing. Um, you had Adam come back and abysmally just was body by Blake. I don't know how that happened, though, considering Adam was a beast in Volume 3 and then just got hit once and was down. I mean, what is that? Like, I don't... Still to this day, it's... I, I'm baffled by the fact that they would just screw over one of the strongest and most interesting villains in the show by him getting beat with one punch. I mean, like, Blake is no one-punch man like at all, not in the slightest. She is still in training. How was she able to beat somebody who trained her? I'll, you know, mind you, he was her master. How did she beat him? I don't get it in Volume 5. That was just one of the, it just, it just doesn't make sense to me. And then you had, um, you know, Blake just disrespect Sun 
Sun, who, granted, she didn't spend much time with Sun, but, like, Sun was not even a jerk. He was actually the voice of reason in Volume 5, and just Blake was just treating him like trash over Ilya. She was treating Ilya better than, than Sun a lot of the time, which made no sense to me. Um, yeah, Volume 5 was just bad. And then you get to Volume 6. Had promise in the beginning. Uh, I liked Episodes 1. And three specifically. Um, more development for Ozpin. Uh, you know, you had a new character, Maria, which came out of nowhere, but I was rolling with it. And, you know, you find out about her silver eyes, and then you, you know, she trains a ruby. And that's another thing the, the, the whole silver eyes thing I felt was just poorly done. I felt like they should have kept that under wraps. And you know how I would have approached the Silver Eyes thing? I would have waited until they did a backstory. I would have actually incorporated the backstory of, uh, shoot, I forget, the, the team, I'm forgetting what the team's name is, but the team that Crow, Taiying, Raven, and, shoot, uh, you know the other character, that team, they were on. I wish they would have shown a backstory, like a flashback of Ruby's mom using her silver eyes back in the day and then having her basically, um, and then having Ruby essentially kind of learn right after that. I think if you would have established what Summer could do with it, I mean, I guess they did that with um, the new character, the new silver-eyed character, but I don't know. I feel like Ruby's mom would have worked better in place, and then that could have tied into them doing a flashback volume, which I kind of hope volume seven is a flashback volume, because I kind of want a flashback volume, which they haven't given us. I don't know why they haven't given us given that to us yet, and I mean, I guess they can't do it now since like Vic Mignogna is no longer playing Crow, and Vic Mignogna would have to be Crow in order for that to really work. But anyway, uh, getting back to volume six is just, and I know I'm rambling at this point though, but it's just like kind of ridiculous though about how the writers are just treating this show really bad. And I actually used to really like this show though, but now I, you know, all the YouTubers, and I haven't actually heard Mur Murder of Birds' actual thoughts on, you know, the, the show currently. And, you know, his opinions on, like, people dropping it and stuff. And he doesn't have to give his opinion on that because I'm pretty sure he's he's going to stick with it. And, like I said, I don't want, want him to drop it. I don't want to drop the show. But it's like the show is really not giving me a lot of options for not wanting to drop it, though, because it just really isn't. It's not that good, like, anymore, though. And every time I think it's going to be good, the writers just, like, kind of don't deliver on their expectations and it's kind of frustrating um for example recently they killed off adam i thought they were going to actually expand upon adam's character but they didn't they just killed him off and once again like i said before it doesn't make sense how yang and blake were able to kill off adam so easily when they are still in training, and Adam should have way more experience than them. Like, if they were going to kill off Adam, they should have waited a whole other volume for that. They should have allowed some time to show more of Adam's backstory, and 
I agree with some YouTubers on this that Adam should have met Weiss, and that should have been a thing, because that would have given Weiss a connection to Adam, and by proxy, Ruby, even though Ruby doesn't have much connection, but like, you know, Ruby's sister Yang, of course, was cut by Adam, so it would have brought them all together, rather than just having Yang and Blake kill them, and then, of course, I'm not going to get into the shit baiting because I don't really care too much about the Blake and Yang um, ship thing. I think it's fine if they get together, though. I mean, I do know it was kind of annoying, though, because they were taking a lot of opportunities to kind of really push um, Blake and Yang together. And, of course, it wasn't really confirmed that they were together, but it kind of might as well be because we pretty much all know that that's the direction that they're heading in with Blake and Yang, and like I said, I don't, I don't really care at this point. Like I said, I, I'm not going to drop the show, but like, it's becoming really difficult, and especially like with Vic Mignano not voicing Crow, you know, the allegations and stuff. And then you have a lot of the administration at Rooster's Teeth. <sighs> Excuse me, guys. It's late at night. Um, but like you have um, the staff at Rooster Teeth just uh, stepping down from their positions. It doesn't look good for Ruby. So really, all we can do is just kind of wait and see what's going to happen with volume seven onward. Um, you know, it's definitely a shame that quality has dropped so much because of poor writing, but it is what it is. Um, I was actually going to talk about the whole Shane's letter thing. Um, that uh, the company was kind of like, trying to keep under the radar. Um, I kind of do want that to be addressed, though, by the company more, though, because I know that they did address it, though, but I felt like they need to, like, talk about it more. Because there was, like, a lot of things in that letter, though, that, like, after seeing the recent volumes, definitely makes me a lot more suspicious about what happened between Shane and Monty Um's wife. And things like that, though, that I, I just want to hear more about it. Like I said, I'm not really taking sides in that argument, though. I just want more. I just want the company to, you know, to, like, say something about it. Um, you know. But, you know, other than that, I just wanted to ramble a little bit about Ruby, though, and talk about a little bit about my frustrations with the show. Like I said, I know some of you don't even know what the heck Ruby is, and that's fine. But for those of you that do, I'm very curious about how many of you are going to continue watching the show or how many of you are going to drop it. Um, and just what your overall thoughts for the future of R Ruby as well as the company that makes it um, is. So with that, um, if you're wondering where you can find my podcast uh, I upload uh, every Thursday uh, to Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and iTunes. And I always upload to YouTube on Saturdays.
So, and uh, if you guys want to support me on Patreon, I do have a page up. Uh, I haven't, like, put anything up on it, but, you know, I will start putting up on it if you guys are willing to support me. Um, then I will start making exclusive content just for you guys, because I want to do that, and I do appreciate the time that you take to actually sit and listen to what I have to say, because it does mean a lot. Um, you know, I get a lot of motivation from you guys um, sitting and listening to what I have to say, and I couldn't thank you all more for doing that. So with that, uh, I will talk to you guys next week uh, about another topic at another time, and uh, I'll see you later.